Welcome to Pixelate Radio on the web at getpixelated.com. That's getpixel, the number eight, ed.com. Now, here's your host, Craig Shoemaker. And welcome back to Pixelate. Hey, have you heard of the Silverlight Dig mashup? This is an application that creates a custom user experience from the splash screen to the Silverlight install wizard and all the way through to a well thought out and well designed application. Lucky for us, we're here talking to the man behind it all, Jose Fajardo from Synergy Systems Australia. For show notes, please go to getpixelated.com slash shows slash dig mashup. Hey, welcome back to the show few resources that I'd like to send your way before we get into our interview with Jose. So Silverlight's been out for like a year and a half now, and we've just seen some amazing growth in not only what the Silverlight engine is able to do, but what people are doing with it. And um, on the show notes, I've got links for some stuff that you're going to want to check out. Uh, Silverlight 2 Beta 2 has been out for, for a little bit now, and you can read Scott Guthrie's post about what has changed and, and what's new in Beta 2. We recently did some shows with John Gossman, who's an architect for um, WPF and Silverlight, and we talked about the, the model view view model pattern in WPF, but Nikhil Kothari has a really good blog post about using model view view model in uh, Silverlight using behaviors. And you can get to all this stuff by going to the show notes page. That's uh, getpixelated.com slash dig mashup, D-I-G-G mashup. One last thing I want to tell you about, I guess it's a proof of concept um, done for Silverlight, and it's soft body physics done in Silverlight by Chris Cavanaugh. It's really an interesting experience. But when you go into the page, you see these these bars or these panels across the screen, and then you click the button to drop these balls. And as the balls come down, they kind of squish against the the bars, and you can move the bars around and see how they roll and fall off. And uh, it's just a really interesting example of what you can do with uh, a physics engine in Silverlight. And uh, probably from, from works like this, we're going to be seeing a lot more sophisticated type of animation and games and things of that nature even being done in Silverlight. So, hey man, it is all fun stuff from here on out. So today we're talking to Jose Fajardo from uh, Synergy Systems in Australia. And Jose's just one of those guys, when, when you take a look at his work, you can just tell that uh, he's blessed with the ability to be able to design and develop. Even though he'd call himself a, a, a designer, at least his company would call him a designer right now, he certainly knows his way around code, um, but also knows his way about uh, designing. But not just putting pixels on the page, but you know when he uses isolated storage, he puts up a big red button on the page, and it says activate rich extras. You know, if you stick isolated storage on the page, activate isolated storage, you're going to scare people away. But he thought it through, and he did it right. And people would want to activate the rich extras. So I just, I, I really liked what he did with his dig mashup. So I decided I'd send him an email and see if we could catch up. So here's Jose talking about how he put together his Silverlight dig mashup. Well, Jose, thanks a lot for agreeing to come on the show. Um, wh why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do for Synergy Systems? Uh, okay, so I'm, my name is Jose Fajardo. I, I actually work for Synergy at this um, Sydney branch. I started about three months ago, and I was brought on board just to um, to help Synergy build up their Silverlight brand. So currently, internally, we have like a 
three four-man team shop that's concentrating on the Silverlight side of Rhea. So Synergy is a Silverlight and um, Flash Flex shop, and they they're predominantly Flash Flex. But now they they're they're wanting to go down the Silverlight path, and um, between the four of us spread across the world, we're trying to build up the capabilities um, to build these Rias with Silverlight. Um, prior to that, I was working across a whole myriad of technology um, roles such as architect, consultant, analyst, programmer, all in the .NET space. And um, about a year and a half ago, I sort of heard, heard or gotten a glimpse of Silverlight when it was uh, 1.0 and 1.1 Alpha had come out. And I was doing that as, as, as a side thing. Uh, I started a blog posting my adventures um, and, and it sort of grew to a to a passion and as soon as I realized that it was something that I really wanted to do um, beyond just doing simple business applications, you know, .NET applications in the enterprise, I decided to go off and I sent Synergy an email saying, hey, um, this is my blog, do you have a job or a position for me? And they immediately replied straight away and I started working for them and so now <laughs> I'm doing my, perf- my perfect job. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great way to get a job. Yeah. I'm yeah, doing exactly. this over here. Do you want me? <laughs> exactly. Now, I first um, saw, uh, again, just like I have uh, met um, Rick Barraza from, from an email floating around about uh, an application that you wrote that's actually a dig mashup using Silverlight. Um, yeah. d- does it have a, a, an official name? Um, no, it doesn't. It's, uh, it's unnamed at the moment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you want to give it a name, go for it. It's just called Dig Mashup. <laughs> yeah, we'll just call it the Dig Mashup. I'll come up with something stupid like Earl or something, and it uh, won't do it justice. So, but uh, so tell me a little bit about this application now. Did how many was it? Just you working on it? Was there a team? What, yeah, was, what did it take it to build just it? Me. Just you? Sorry. Okay. Yeah, it was just me. Yep. And for, for listeners who want to check this out, head on over to shrinkster.com slash yh3. And that'll take you over to the sample that he has. And and why don't you just describe the application a little bit for us? Well, it takes the dig mashup basically extends what Scott Guthrie did uh, when he introduced everyone to Silverlight 2, and I wanted to put a designer spin on it. I basically wanted to um, prove to everyone that um, there's not enough depth out there in the samples that people see um, of Silverlight um, from a designer's perspective, and it's not and it's and it's a lot of the samples out there aren't fully complete. They don't have everything from the splash page, from the startup splash page um, plugin install all the way down to um, in isolated storage, you know, real RIA type of functionality. And I wanted to do something end-to-end but designer focused so that everyone can see that you can really, really use, look at Silverlight as a, as a RIA platform to build enterprise stuff on. And that's where it began. So I took Scott's stuff and I just extended it by putting a lot of designer emphasis on the UI. Yeah, and you you really, um, you kind of went all out. You've got uh, a legend area where you can basically filter the, the different high-level categories of the information that's coming in and exchange out the, the different views. And let's talk about a couple of pieces of the interface, user interface. You talked about creating the feature where you can choose what type of view you want to see each item in. And in the blog post where you introduced it, you said that you, you basically went through a number of different refactorings. What was involved in being able to get it to, to where it is today? Um, literally prototyping. So uh, every, every person that I get introduced, 
I, I gave a, rem- uh, a talk at Remix earlier, and it was along this, the same lines that I'm about to tell you now, that um, the tools and the technology have the tools being Visual Studio 2008 and Expression Studio and the technology being Silverlight, they've come so far in like in a, such a short amount of time, like in literally a year, and they continually evolve so quickly that you can actually produce amazing prototypes in short amounts of time. So you could literally create a throwaway mock-up of a working application, and if you don't like it, then you refactor and you refactor it. So the tools have evolved so far fast that you can actually you can actually introduce refactoring as a like a strategy to your development process, and so that's what I did. So I refactored the UI, and I um, it, I, I lost maybe like a, a day or two just refactoring each iteration. But that's but the end result was definitely um, the, the end did justify the means. So um, I started off as pure a pure XML driven approach where all the UIs were defined in XML and the designer had no input into the look of it and it, it evolved all the way down to every single potential view was a user control so the designer had explicit pixel level control over the UI and um, and a lot of the stuff that I did throughout the decision process of designing all the UI started off literally as a developer sort of mindset of making it all data driven to moving towards a designer focus and making everything user control driven and um, skin driven. So, would so that you, was the decision point. Would you describe yourself as as one of these diviner type of people? <laughs> I uh, I am. Um, I, I would have to say and. I don't know if uh, Synergy would agree with me because I've been applied as a Silverlight um, or de- design developer. Okay. But I started as a pure developer, but I moved to designer, and now I sit on designer. It's as if it's as if the um, the benchmarks of calling yourself designer is if you if you're really comfortable with expression and um, design and blend. If you're really comfortable with those tools, then you've made the transition to pure designer. If you're comfortable, <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my interpretation of it because I can actually do everything in blend and um, I can I can. I can literally leave Visual Studio behind and just do everything in Blend and XML if I needed to. So wow. if that's the definition of designer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so when you started off building the application, you said basically the designer had, had no control over it and then you moved it off into being able to uh, give them full control. And it's with you make a big uh, point of using user controls in your blog post. And tell us about the progression and, and why did you decide to use user controls and what the benefit is of that? Um, I think the benefit of using user controls is more driven by the um, the infancy of Blend. There's a lot of things that um, you can do in Silverlight that, for instance, templating and skinning, that the Blend, the Blend actual, um, the actual Blend applica- uh, the the application itself doesn't allow you to actually create skins and themes. I think the latest version of Blend will allow you. So to overcome that, I had to basically, for every single skin on the page, for all the buttons, for all the you know um, menu items, I created a separate user control so that I can mimic every single piece of functionality that that button would have. So that it would have I have create several storyboards. I'd create the look of it, and it, it would behave as a complete user control. And then I would take it from that user control and throw it into um, a particular area that the template understood. So I would need to use user controls because the blend did not allow you to actually create the um, skins or themes. So that was the basic design around it. But even going forward after blend does introduce the ability to um, to create skins and themes, uh, 
there is still a lot of benefit to using uh, user controller because it just allows you to separate the well, it, it, it makes it less spaghetti code. It makes it more manageable, especially when you have one form. If I created all this, all that entire UI on one form, it would be like 20,000 lines and the XAML would just not load. So it's so easy and they've made it so easy that all you do is you just right click a certain set of a group of controls and you do create user control. And then you can now manage that subset of user controls much more elegantly. And yeah, so even once theming and skinning become part and parcel of the blend UI um, tool set, then I still I will still be probably using user controls just as much mm. because of that fact. Now, some people are concerned about performance considerations with user controls. How do you feel about that? Well, I've, a lot of the stuff that I've done, uh, and I do actually, when I prototype, part of prototyping is always looking at the performance. I haven't found a, if it's the only time you, you, you'd have a lot of impact um, from performance is if you've really done a bad design and if you haven't architected or planned your actual um, user control. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, applications out there that will perform badly, especially with where you need like things like physics engines and a lot, lots of hardware type of um, render, graphics rendering. But for the most part, if you if you have a list with twenty thousand um, rows, you're not going to throw a, a list box up there and populate it with twenty thousand rows. That, that's just asking for performance problems. You're gonna you have to really design that up front and only load that say the first. 100 rows and then virtually hold into a cache somewhere the rest of it so it all comes down to design right now um when you were working with the refresh timer you had a you implemented that using the storyboard and and at the the time when you wrote your post you hadn't figured out which one was causing the cpu to max out did did you find it I can't believe you read that. Yeah, I was hoping you would ask that that's um that was the biggest pain because I had this kick-ass animation that took a 3D bar and made it progress to 100% um, as the time ran out. And it was it, it actually made the UI even exponentially more expressive. But I had to remove that and it was it I, it was to do with a storyboard. Um, and I still haven't figured it out basically, long story short. <laughs> so I don't know what it is and I'm, it's still in there. It's actually just invisible or collapsed and or uh, collapsed and um, yeah, collapsed. So it, I'll, after beta 2, when I do have time, I'm just going to enable it again. And if it still has problems, I might send it down to Microsoft. They're really good at that. Let's see what they can yeah. find. Yeah. 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 But that, that saying that, there is something to say about um, storyboards and um, timers. There's there's so many ways you can go wrong with storyboards. There's so many ways to cause performance issues by having one storyboard and having another storyboard running at the same time. And then all of a sudden you'll have several storyboards running at the same time. And that's, you know, with, if you don't pro- properly plan your animation sequence or your um, the layers of your storyboards, you'll definitely get into some performance problems. And it's truly, it's Microsoft creating such a, a flexible architecture that lets you instantiate a thousand storyboards <laughs> at once you know so they give you enough crazy. power to shoot yourself in the foot exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it is yeah now with the story list you implemented something that was a little bit 
different of a user experience in that the the scrolling is across the top and you had kind of had to jump through a number of hoops to make that happen. Can you tell us about that? Yep. Yeah, so I, I know that Microsoft have um, the uh, Karen Corby, I think, and the part of the Civilization introduced the new skinning model and the skinning and controls model. I think that is the that is the that's the bomb. That's the best piece of um, extension logic in Silverlight there is because you can actually skin a control any way you want. And I wanted to prove that. I didn't want just to when I laid the scroll bars, um, uh, the scroll area on the canvas, it had a scroll bar on the right side. Um, vertically and it just didn't look right when I had all the other controls sitting on the right so I wanted to the only logical place was to move it to the top or to the bottom and and I, I sort of I dreaded doing that because I didn't know what was the what, what the effort would have been um, would be and until I actually did it it only took literally a minute after I just copy pasted code and I just dragged it from the I, I turned the horizontal scroll bar to a vertical scroll bar using pure template um, notation and once I did that um, it just gave the whole it gave the UI a completely different feel and it actually made it something from plain boring to retro and in a couple <laughs> in a minute and so yeah so it I guess what drove that was more let's just see what happens let's just put it up there it was just plain it was just an idea literally just prototype it make it happen and if you don't like it you can always put it back but the controls um, model allowed me to do that really easily so that was the the decision behind it just do it because it actually it felt good well and the thing that kind of surprised me when i was looking at it for the first time was i i saw the the scroll bar across the top and of course i clicked and i dragged it but then just out of habit i hit the the scroll wheel on the mouse and that also scrolled and i wasn't expecting that at first because i didn't see a, a regular uh, vertical scroll bar anywhere but when it behaved like that it was like a, a pleasant surprise <laughs> yeah so out of the box there is no um scroll in Silverlight 2, so you have to actually use the HTML JavaScript bridge, um, which is callbacks from Silverlight into the HTML page, and use the HTML pages mouse events. So yeah, I, I borrowed some code of that, and I linked to that code, you know, I think somewhere in my blog somewhere. But yeah, so I think Microsoft have put that in now in Silverlight 2 beta 2. But that's yeah, that was it's those little things that matter. Yeah. It's the and and when I did. Go, uh, when I did decide to go live with it, it didn't have that, and then I and then I go, oh, I need to put it in because I was actually using the mouse button, quite, mouse um, wheel, quite a lot at that time. Yeah, testing it to see how what's loaded in and everything. Yep. So tell us a little bit about the backend architecture. <laughs> it's a simple architecture. Um, what about isolated storage? I mean, was that hard to to set up and make sure everything worked right? No, actually, that was fun because I worked on. With, I think isolated storage is just such an awesome con concept and the way that they've done it um it, they couldn't have done it any other way because you know you needed to use basically you need the user to signify that yes you want people to store stuff in, in your personal space and you, then the user actually says how much space um or you prompted you prompt the user how much space you want and that's been in there since day one and i think flash has something similar but to actually do that you could do that. So many, a lot of applications can do that so many ways. So I thought, you know, let's just give it a big button that people want to press because I really want them to use it. And um, yeah, so I gave them the big button, which is it's called activate rich extras. I don't even call it isolated storage. Yeah. So you just start throwing stuff up there. People get confused, but yeah, it uses isolated storage to um, to store dig articles. And I did have problems with the performance around um, 
XML, caching the dig articles as XML, and then as soon as you go, go above um, 300 or 400 articles, then my well, link query would take forever. I know I'm not really good at link, but um, and that this 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 actual application was my first attempt at link. So I have literally five. When you look at how I store save um, files to the to isolate storage, it goes through five separate link calls. It does like a retrieve and then a delete and then a check if there any exists and then delete if there, those those checks exist. So you you could probably do it more elegantly, but that was my my mind thinking of um, at that time how to do link calls and that's the other thing that's one side of Silverlight that I'm just not comfortable in yet and I'm, I'm going to be devoting a, you know a month or two to really looking at link and how that actually works but it's so easy these days to get bogged down with the technology and that's what one of the other things I keep telling a lot of people that it's only Silverlight version one or version two now can you imagine what it's going to be like when it's version five or version six um, <laughs> yeah you know, and a lot of people are going to, a lot of people should start learning it now while it's really easy before it's overloaded and jam-packed with a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's just, I mean, on all fronts, it's just insane the amount of information there is to learn. But uh, Silverlight's, you know, being young, it, it, it's uh, a little more uh, concentrated, so that that's nice. Now, with, with what gets shoved into isolated storage, do you have to worry about expirations? I mean, you're, you're putting basically time-sensitive information in there. Is there a way to pop off pieces or how do you manage the, the limited amount of space that the user gives you? Um, that you have to actually build yourself. It's not like a, it's, it's a, it's cookie. A lot of people call it cookies on steroids. Now I could be corrected here because I have my, um, I'm not, I'm not a guru in civil life and I can't remember if there's actually a timeout to what gets stored in isolation. I'm pretty sure there isn't. So it just sits in there and all the while just accumulating. And so you could literally, if over the course of all these civil light applications on your browser, you might, all those civil light applications may ask to consume, you know, end up consuming seven gigabytes of stuff. I don't, the, the emphasis to clean up that stuff is, is on the actual application. I believe, oh, and I think that Silverlight 2 is going to have a feature where you right-click on the Silverlight controller itself, the end user will right-click on the Silverlight controller, they'll see a, a panel that says all the different applications or all the different domains using application um, isolated storage, and then they, from, that, from that control screen, they can actually delete or choose to clear the cache, um, for lack of a better term, at that point in time. So I think that's one way to actually do it, but another way is for the application to actively do it you know, on load or on refresh or whatever. I don't currently do that. So that's version two, I guess, if there's so, version two. So if someone, so like, let's say I'm using the, the the mashup for a while. I mean, will it just stop working at some point because it filled up the the max space requirements or? Uh, in, in this particular sample here, no, because I actively, um, I think every time after a certain period, I believe it checks the isolated storage or the number of stories in there, and if the stories have reached a certain um, maximum number, like a hundred, I think two hundred, it clears it. It okay. clears the entire um, that XML file, and it makes you start again. So there's two XML files. There's one for upcoming, and there's one for popular. The idea behind that was that you know this was literally going to be a feed reader rather than just a dig dedicated feed reader. So you could actually add your own feeds in here, and each feed would get their own XML file, and each one would plug into a common um, application of 
take a feed in and show it this way and have several views for that feed. So that was the general idea of it. And then I just branded it for dig just for the purposes of the story. Um, yeah, so at the moment, I think it clears itself out after 200 stories have reached or, or when the user clicks clear. Okay. Cool. But yeah, uh, yeah, each application has to. But the other thing um, I wanted to demonstrate with this application was um, there's a lot of there's a there's not a lot of um, patterns or frameworks for Silverlight, and I don't think that it like I don't think that it should evolve the way that um, that Silverlight um, sorry that the Windows Forms and ASP.NET has evolved in that there's a lot of patterns and frameworks that tell people how to how, how to use it because that's the that's the beauty of flash a lot of people can just go off and create amazing stuff without the hindrance or the you know of of people telling them how to how to create stuff but in certain cases like this there what i'm trying to do is tell people that there's all these different features that you can you should consider when building a rear and you know from splash page install plugin isolate storage button all the way down to isolate um yeah all the way down to controls and templating so without telling people how to do it, I'm telling people how to do it. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, now I saw your your um, you showed an example of a, a custom install screen for uh, Silverlight, and yes. I I kind of that hit me two ways. Number one, I thought that was cool because, like you're saying, it gave an end to end experience. But then at the same time, I was like, well, if every every time someone goes to well, I guess it doesn't really matter because you're only going to be installing Silverlight once on your machine. But I was thinking if everybody has a different install screen, won't that confuse people? And like, well, what am I installing now? But that's a good um, question. Yeah, yeah I, I, that, that's what's interesting with, with Ajax, with Silverlight, with with all of the, the new um, advances that we're making in user experience, we really are going to also have to come up with some new patterns to say that... Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, a computer will behave and respond to you in different ways than what we're used to because now we have this technology that's able to, to interact yeah. with you much more richly. Exactly, yeah. So how many times have you been been dug <laughs> with this application? Uh, oh, not much because um, I don't think that the dig community... The dig, we don't, there's <laughs> not much of a Microsoft community in the dig area. It's more for uh, fanboys from Apple and stuff. Stuff yeah, like that. So that is true. It's crazy. We need that. But that's my next um. That's my next big project to create a Silverlight version of Dig because um, we we've got the community behind us. We just don't have them using. That would the, be cool. That would be very cool. You could you could uh, contact the .NET Kicks people and see what they yeah, got yeah, going on. Well, again, if you want to check out Jose's uh, Silverlight Dig mashup, you can go to shrinkster.com slash yh3. And uh, do spend some time there. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's just it's kind of different than anything that that you've ever experienced. So thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Been a pleasure. Now Jose hasn't stopped there either. He's also done some pretty innovative work with the Deep Zoom Composer. And uh, if you check out, there, there's a link on the show notes. Tim Hewer is hosting. Uh, an example of some of the stuff that he's done with Deep Zoom, and it's just it—it's not exactly what you'd think of. It's not just zooming in on pictures. Yes, that stuff is very cool, and uh, I enjoy looking at the the Hard Rock memorabilia and, and using the Deep Zoom. But Jose's going to show you how there's there's much more to it than that. You don't you don't have to stick inside those uh, those established patterns, as, even as young as they are. So I want to say thanks to Jose. Thank you for checking out the show. I do hope you enjoy it. And until next time, this is Craig Shoemaker, and I'll talk to you soon. Pixelate Radio.
on the web at getpixelated.com. That's getpixel8ed.com. All rights reserved, copyright 2008. Infragistics, powering the presentation layer. Infragistics.com.